Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of Get Found. I am joined this week by Steve Farnsworth um, and today we're talking about using content marketing for onboarding and customer support. So Steve, give us the uh, reason you're here and who you are. I am Steve Farnsworth. I'm with the Steveology Group. We do content marketing for B2B companies, demand gen content marketing. And I'm here today because I know you and we talk some pretty good trash together. That's a true story. Um, and I'm Aaron Robbins, and I'm the president and COO of Ginza Metrics. And I'm here because I like Steve, and I've had just enough coffee to make it to this point in the day. So, all right. Um, we talk a lot about on the show, you know, kind of how content's going, a lot about kind of how we can use content to, you know, deliver and generate more leads and what's going on in kind of the strategy world with what's going on. So we've talked about account-based marketing and, and a lot of things like that. And I think that um, I'd actually love to talk about kind of some onboarding and customer support stuff specifically around account-based marketing with today's topic. Um, but what we want to talk about is right now it seems like there's a lot of like this is content marketing and then this is customer support or this is onboarding or this is sales and there's not kind of like maybe this idea that everything could be this like seamless strategy and i think that you know you and i were talking about uh you know kind of account-based marketing is like there is no handoff right like there is no baton we all just stay involved and i think that that's where some real good content marketing strategies for getting people the support they need, the onboarding they need could really be implemented with what's going on in, in support. Yeah. I think we're, we're in a time now, I mean, like marketing, I mean, customer service has always been important. And, and, and when we're talking about onboarding, we're talking about bringing a new customer on, uh, starting to use the product. And so this life, this customer life cycle has always been there, but um, because of, of our interconnectedness, because of expectations, more companies are doing face-to-face -face with the customers. It, it really, it, it all ties in together and marketing can't just leave it at the door and say, you know, we brought you a lead, we're done and walk away. And so I think that as a content marketer, there are these tools that we have and even though it may not be like uh, the onboarding of the customer may not be your, your specific responsibility, you got these tools you can take to sales and go, you know, we can do these things and work with them. So like they're, they're just, there's some, you know, so much we can do in terms of helping to lower uh, customer service costs to help increase uh, customers lifetime uh, customer experience. So make it more positive and more, more seamless. And so we'll talk about a couple of the things you can do. They're pretty kind of easy ones that you can start implementing. Yeah, we definitely should because one of the things we hear all the time is, Oh, marketing can get some ideas for content from support issues. But the yeah. thing that we're not talking about is if you're doing that, what you're talking about is like, oh, okay, I got this idea from support for a topic, but then I used that to generate a lead because it was a pain point. So I generated a lead from it, but then I just stopped, right? So there's no like real seamless flow of information from the time that marketing says, hey, we can help you address that problem to then once you actually have to get onboarded with whatever it is, being like, that needs to match. It all needs to actually be the thing. So you shouldn't be like marketing brought in this lead and the lead was talking about needing to solve a particular problem and then sales sells you on it and then you get hand handed off to some account management person who then has to like onboard you. But does everybody know that that was your core issue and do all those things answer the question in the way that you initially got interested? Yeah. And, and some of the tools that we have are just are, are make, make, uh, really kind of adding rocket fuel to your uh, onboarding process and your customer service process 
just really effective. Now, you know, some of the things we're going to talk about, like, for instance, I love marketing automation software. I think you can do some really great things. And I don't think marketing automation is about marketing, automating marketing. It's really about creating just-in-time information, just-in-time information, getting things that people need at the right time. So when someone's coming on board, you know, they have some set of issues, especially if you're, if you're talking about a product that's a little more complicated and there's some set of things they have to learn. And like the, the level you're going to do this is going to depend on the complexity of the number of users that an average customer has. But you look at the marketing automation software and you can do these email campaigns and you can set them up so that they go out at some kind of uh, basic time. So let's say you said, and we do that for marketing, you know, like someone does this and so they get these three emails on this the schedule. Well, we can use that same strategy uh, for a new customer. So a new customer comes on, and if we've done our job as a content marketer, we we have a deep sense of what uh, content already exists in customer service, what they already have, um, what we can take and help make better with them, um, or whatever the content we can help them create to, to this process. So we can now have, um, for instance, let's say you have a collection of, of uh, blog articles that are just just really great about some of the issues that they're gonna face starting to use the, the, the new tool or whatever you sold them. And so you can set this out and say like, you know, on day one, they get a little email with maybe a link to a resource center. It's like, here's some of the things that you can get and here's an article specifically for you. And then maybe like the two days later, they get another one. And it's again, it's something relevant to helping them onboard, something to get use the product. Um, I would say the first, the first one should be kind of really focusing on the questions they're going to have at first starting to use it, getting up, training, kinds of information they need. Um, and so you can have these kind of things, and there's probably some hacks you have. These are great emails. So you can have an opportunity to, to be in touch with these folks, um, all the people that are using your tool, with some kind of basis, you know, every couple of days, and then after a week or two, maybe every three or four days, and you kind of trail off so it's, so it's less often and maybe they get the content. But all the content you have, you should look through what blogs do we have, what resources do we already have in customer service that we can put into this automation software, and let's figure out a strategy for, for sending that out in a welcome, not bad way, but simple emails, just like, here's something you can do. Simple, like a little tasty, helpful. A Couple days later, here's something you, you might wanna do, here's a hack. And you know, and if you really are, are smart, you, know, you start making like little explainer videos. I mean, they're, you know, with technology now, we're using, we're doing this show, except for the, the, the cost of our expensive time. This is literally free. And so there are ways to create content for low cost. And the explainer videos and having customer service involved, you can make a very powerful combination just going, stopping to think, what, what are people, where are the challenges they're going to have? What information helps them the most? And these are kinds of things you find out from working with customer service and other sales engineers and that sort of thing. And it's, and it's an opportunity for sales, to, for marketing to really shine in the company. Obviously, you need to work directly with customer service and sales and on the boarding thing, but it's an opportunity for us to bring our tools and our, our wisdom to bear and actually help the overall customer service. A customer, the value of a customer, not everybody's going to be a repeat customer because sometimes the nature of the stuff, but a value of a customer is incredible. They're more likely to buy from you again, like 80% or something like that. And so all the money you spend, if you spent a couple thousand dollars to get one closed deal, and let's say that's for a you know, $100,000 deal or $50,000 or $10,000, whatever it was, you spent some amount of money and, and you want them to buy again or keep subscribing or to upgrade, you need to be thinking about how am I going to bring value from marketing, from all the content we already have, 
How can we bring value? And then what other things could we encourage customer service to help create? And can, as marketers, can we go in there and help them create that content? Do they, if they need help with videos, maybe somebody in marketing knows how to put the videos together for them or edit them or make them, you know, easy to do or help do the setup or do the recording, all those kinds of things. I think that one of the things that pe maybe stops people from doing what we're doing right now um, is that they think it has to be this really fancy thing, right? Like they feel like, oh my gosh, it's not super polished. And I'm not saying you shouldn't strive for polished, but we do this show, you know, regularly and I am in the middle of moving and I'm sitting on the floor of, of a rental, right? Um, in between, in between moves. Um, but we're still doing the show because the content is still the content, right? And when somebody has a question and needs an answer to it, I don't think that they care whether you're sitting on a floor or not. I think they care about getting relevant topical information. Um, I think that, you know, one of the things that you're talking about is like being able to kind of tell people these things you can add in these emails and these automations. This is actually where I feel like I'm going to say it because I say it every week. I cannot, I cannot help myself. This is where I think creating groups is such a big deal. So like if you create content groups and keyword groups, this is one of the things we do in Ginza, right? Like you set up regex rules. Um, or like pattern matching rules for like everything. So let's say that somebody was going to come use Ginza and um, I know that like typically we have in-house customers and agency customers and that they're kind of onboarded a little bit differently. I can put everything into those buckets and then I can put, you know, things like let's say somebody really just wants to do like a lot of um, competitor analysis and they're really interested in like tracking competitors. I can just create rules that say put all of my content into a bucket that has to do with competitor intelligence and then essentially what I have from that is just a list of everything and I can just take those things and as you mentioned have them sent regularly and then what you do is you start to look at how those people are actually using those things. You can even if you want to get fancier with it what are they clicking on in the emails? What types of competitor intelligence? Did they actually click on something that was more like, oh, social based or, oh, did they want to know how to do, you know, like international search things? And then you can take the things from that group and start kind of like weaving them in. So like it depends on how much time you have. But really, if you want to automate something and you're not in like a super, super big company, you can still do this stuff. You don't have to do it with tons of money. You don't have to do it with like a team of a hundred people. You can do it. You can start small and try it out and see how it goes. Um, but you're right. This is a chance for marketing to shine because this is a really good opportunity for them to say, Hey, you know what you guys already, you guys in support and account management already have so much stuff to have to deal with, with inbound requests and information that we can actually help you maybe get ahead of the curve, right? Like we've got all this content. We know what this person was interested in because we actually know what drove them to become a lead in the first place. And we knew what their pain point was. So we can actually feed them that information on an ongoing basis. Like why wouldn't you do it? Especially if you have the content. Yeah, and I think, you know, to get started, I mean, like, it's, it doesn't have, like, to your point, it doesn't have to be too complex, but, you know, you should start with, you know, first of all, all marketers, I think marketers should be doing ride-alongs with sales is a regular thing. I know some CMOs that do it, like, 15, 20 times a year. You know, they go out with the guys, they don't acknowledge that they're from marketing, they go and they're part of the sales team and they know the shtick. And they do that and they, they bond tightly with a number of different sales folks, they learn what the problems are and they help go back and create marketing that helps create you know velocity to leads already so you should already have that kind of relationship and you should be developing the same kind of relationship where they know you and you know them and you go have conversations you go have lunch with customer service and so these these two groups should you can create a, a working group you know a couple of people from all the whoever you need you know some of the content creators marketing 
uh, sales or sales engineering, whatever the right thing is, and customer service, you go and you create this working group. It doesn't have to be complex, but you can say, we're going to do this. Let's start with a basic onboarding process of a series of emails. And here's the kind of content. We've, we've done a little bit of audit. Let's all recommend some stuff from this audit and then kind of map that out. And that's not that complex if you're working together. And it's something that's a good place to start. But you said something I think is, is really, you talked about tracking what, what's getting used. And I think that's, that's the real gold here. And it, there's a, a technology, technology, there's a, a, a way that there's a thing called the UTM code or tag. And, and it's, it's basically a way to put a lot of information about a link into this ugly long thing. And then you use a Google shortener to make it nice and pretty. But when someone clicks on it or someone passes it around, your Google Analytics can pick up where that was used. So with onboarding stuff, you can use uh, links for all that kind of stuff and understand um, who's using what, what assets, what assets are being meaningful, which ones are not being used is it just merely the topic itself or is it a bad headline that doesn't really describe the content or is it just not relevant and so there's a way to do that so tracking that kind of information is a good way to see just to evolve this kind of program as opposed to doing it one and done you do it and and come back you know first first time you do it you should be kind of tracking every couple of days every week with the key folks as time goes on you can do it like every month but you should come back and keep evolving that you know, for four or five, six months until you have a really tight onboarding process. And then customer service can then keep that if that's the right thing or somebody else can, can own it. But there's marketing should be involved in that process. You know, and just about the UTM codes. And if, if you don't, if you don't know what that is, I encourage folks to go out and learn. It's not that complicated. It looks really scary, but it's not. And you can do it and the tools are free, you know, and, you know, Google shortener and the UTM stuff, tag maker, all free stuff from Google. Um, but using that same tagging capability, it, you know, from content marketing, just jumping back to more in sales enablement, but you can actually tag content you're providing sales for sales enablement and find out which pieces are being used. And that way, you know, same strategy. What's really making a difference? What are the salespeople going to? What do you need more of? What do you need less of? And this also goes back to, you know, people needing to know not just like, is it just, it, it's not just about like, is it a bad headline or is it, you know, like the wrong content? A lot of times what you're going to find, especially if you like tag or group content by type or like, you know, not just by topic, but by type of content. What I mean by type is like, is it a video? Is it a blog post? Is it, you know, a case study? Is it a white paper? Is it like a one pager? Whatever it is, right? Sometimes what you're going to find is certain things people actually are like, a video just works better. But you won't know whether or not somebody didn't use the content because, um, you know, they were like, I really wish like somebody could have shown me how, right? As opposed to like, I don't want to try to read through this. Um, you know, or what you might find is that for certain things, people are not able to watch videos and like they're on their phone or they're doing something else. And like video content isn't going to be going over very well. So like a lot of times if you're just looking at the content as a list of content and not looking at what type of content it is, you're kind of missing a lot of information about how your customer wants to consume certain types of onboarding or just like general support stuff. Stuff. I'll mention something because like so one yes like learn about UTM stuff like ASAP pronto yesterday um, one of the things that I've noticed is there's also this so two things one I think it's a great idea to get together with like your sales and your marketing and your customer support what we see a lot of now is distributed teams so sales marketing and support may not all be housed in the same building in the same city or even in the same country so I think that unfortunately that's not an excuse to not do it. Like you and I are not in the same city or even we're the same states. states. We're yeah. in different states and we're across the country out. from each other. 
hanging out talking and mm. you can get together and there's no excuse to not make these things happen. You may not be able to do it over coffee, but like you kind of still can because I still have, well, this is probably bourbon, but um, <laughs> it actually says that on the cup. It says this is probably bourbon on the cup. Um, <laughs> But like you have no excuse to not yeah. make these interactions happen. And I do think that some level of face-to-face -face is really important. Um, but the other thing that I think is tough is one of the things I've noticed, and it, it, it may just be me, but I don't think it is because I've worked in a million different places and I, it's kind of like a universal thing. No matter how much support stuff you create and how many ways you try to proactively answer people's questions, there's some level of like people will not read it that happens. And I don't know if it's like, cause I've always thought it's me, it's me. I'm just not making like cool enough explanations and no matter how much budget I ever had, it just like mm. was a thing. And kind of what I started to think over time was they're not asking me how to do it. They're asking me if I'll just do it for them. So how much of, this is kind of like a little bit of a topic variance, but how much do you think that organizations are responsible for actually just doing it for them versus really pushing back and saying, I'm really sorry, but like, dude, you got to do this yourself at some point. You know, that's a tough one. I mean, you know, I, I think that um, anytime you need somebody to do something, uh, people only do what people only do what they are judged on. And so if you're, if you're judged for your paycheck, and so if you're judged on things, not like, for instance, blog, having employees write blogs is normally a bad idea. Not, not because employees can't write. And if they want to write, that's fine. But they tend not to do it because it's, it, it's the thing they do when they already finished all their other work and they get around to it, if they get around to it. And so because so that that's not going to change their paycheck. It's not going to change uh, their bonus. It's not going to change their review. And so if you want something to be done, you need to make sure that it's incentivized in a way that's meaningful. Otherwise. And better is create a process that's frictionless, as automated as possible, that people can do it with kind of one and done or with a little training. Because otherwise, you know, people don't have time to learn new things. So anything you can do to kind of either make it where it's something part of the, really part of their job, it's that kind of level of importance is good, or it's something that's it's frictionless, so they're more encouraged to do it. People don't have time to learn new things, I think is the saddest thing I've heard all week. Like, I mean, legitimately, I'm not trying to be snide. Like, yeah. I, it's it's the saddest thing I've heard. Um, I think that it's important for people to bake time into somebody's schedule, um, into somebody's experience as an employee to learn new stuff. Um, you know, because if your team members aren't learning and growing, I mean, you're you're doing everybody a disservice, not just them, but like your organization too. So even if just like selfishly, like you're only thinking about your organization, your organization is suffering if people aren't growing. Um, the, uh, go ahead. I was going to say just one thing I think is really kind of in this whole thing about if you end up creating content, um, one of the things I think is handy is like there's always kind of an FAQ or common questions folks get. And I think video is is really handy to have. You should have you should have written versions also. But with the videos, one of the things that I think is a nice way to do is you can you can humanize the company by having different customer support people or onboarding folks do the little pieces. It doesn't have to be one person or it doesn't have to be that. But if you get like two or three or four folks to each do a couple, you have a nice spread of videos. And they're only like a minute and a half, two minutes long. That's all you want. You're in and out. And so now the customer is seeing the folks 
that they can go to if they need a pro if they have a problem resolved. And so it's a nice way to humanize your company. And and actually, there's even kind of a corporate narrative by allowing customer service folks to be, provide this information directly through a little video thing. Yeah, I mean. I love video, obviously we do this, um, and I like it just because it allows you to not just humanize, but to really explain and show somebody something in a way that makes them feel like, hey, somebody actually did do this. <laughs> like, I'm right. not the only person that's like reading this and trying to like figure it out. I mean, because I think a lot of times when you read instructions on something, especially if there's like a lot of steps, it starts to feel like you're putting together Ikea furniture and yeah. you don't want to feel that way when it, especially when you're really paying for something, right? I mean, so for on my end of things, like one of the things that I feel like is there's kind of tiers, right? Depending on like customer stuff. And uh, like, obviously we provide support and help and assistance to anybody that's wanting to use the product at any point. Yeah. Um, but after a while it's kind of like a, Hey, like teach Amanda fish kind of a situation. Um, one of the things that I've noticed with, with kind of like customer success and support and account is like, there's a difference between what I would consider to be like technical support and like softer support and where that actually tends to be an issue. Um, in my experience is I like it as a, like if I'm trying to make marketing content, um, out of things that are coming from support and I'm trying to help them back, it helps me if they'll categorize things and what technical support people will typically do or like engineering folks will typically do is their version of a category for support is, was it a bug? Was it a feature request? Was it like this? Was it that? But I'm like, no, so that's fine. You can definitely do that. But on top of that, I need to know like what kinds of things do people seem interested in or like what part of the product are people most commonly asking questions about? Because where this actually loops back to is if there's a specific area of something that people regularly have a question about, then that's There's probably just like, yeah, like a marketing issue, like an overall messaging issue, or it's actually a design issue, like a UI problem, or like, let's say people just constantly call in, like even with something like a car and they're like, I can't find where this one thing is in this car. If support actually like logs enough of those things they're like somebody can't figure out how to do this thing in the car next year, when they make the new model, they'll probably change where that thing is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I had a, a, a client just kind of to address that the onboarding thing. I had a client, who's a product marketing manager for the product. And once a month, he'd do a webinar. And so it, it was a scheduled thing. So he'd have this webinar. They wrote the script really straightforward. It was kind of all his hacks about onboarding. You know, you know uh, hacks is probably not quite right. But it's just like, here's how you get the most. You're, you're getting started quick. Here are the things you want to do to kind of cut through the BS. And, and you do this, this you know, 45-minute thing, answer any kinds of questions. And it was scheduled every month. Uh, you know, at, at a regular time. But what he would do is, even though it's the same thing, he would then save that so people could actually, people sometimes like live things. They just, they're drawn to it. And sometimes he'd have zero people show up or 20 people show up. But he would always just do it. And it was at, you know, 45 minutes every month. And when it was done, it was on demand too. So people could go to the live one if they preferred that. And a lot of people do. And, but, you know, three or four times the number of people watch the on demand one. And so it was a night, and it was fresh content. It was just the, you know, previous, episode and he just kind of kept updating it so anytime there's new information he's updated the script and so the next webinar they did it was it was fresh and it was an it was a really kind of a nice way to connect directly with the customers and as a product marketing manager he could actually kind of see the kinds of questions they were asking too and help uh, change the product as necessary and also help change the information he was providing 
I think a lot of the reason, you know, because like you touch on the idea that somebody does something kind of regularly and people can join and like do the live thing. I think one of the things that maybe trips people up is that a lot of people don't like to do stuff live or don't like to do things on camera because they're unsure of how it's going to turn out or they're afraid that if it is live, they can't go back and correct it and maybe they'll seem foolish. And I think that, you know, a lot of that is one practice um, and like it can only go so badly. Uh, you know, really, again, I mean, throughout the number, I've been doing this show for like almost three years now, I guess, um, maybe a little longer. And I can tell you almost everything that could have happened has happened um, at some point or another during the show. Uh, a bird flew into the window one time and like cracked the window and like just all, I mean, just so many weird things have happened, right? Is that an um, omen of some kind? It was, I, I seriously, I... It, it scared the heck out of me. I didn't know what happened. I tried to like shut the camera down really quick. Um, yeah, I mean, all kinds of different things have happened. And um, I think also there's a, a level of preparedness and a familiarity and comfort with your topic level. So I think that, you know, if you're talking about having customer service people or marketing folks make videos for certain things, that you have to be really comfortable with your subject matter in order to do something like that, right? Because if you have to just read from a script and you don't feel naturally knowledgeable about it, it's never going to sound very convincing or very good. Um, and you kind of can't go off script at all in case something happens, like you spill coffee all over your script, because I've done that too. Um, you know, yeah, fantastic. I, yeah, I've spilled things into the keyboard while doing the show. Um, I think that, you know, there's also some amount of like, you have to find what your vibe is, right? Like how much preparedness do you need? Do you need to write a script beforehand? Do you need bullet points? Do you actually just like to go completely off the cuff? But you have to find what that flow is and try to go with that. If you're going to do something repeatedly, especially. One of the things that I think people forget, forget about is, is like, um, you know, most websites in theory, not most, many websites in theory are doing basic SEO. And, but a lot of times that tends to be more the marketing content. Um, and, and I think there's a huge argument to, to uh, employ an SEO strategy with all your customer support and onboarding content. And so what that would look like is making sure that, that, you, you, that you don't put huge, necessarily huge amounts of information in one place that you kind of make sure that the pieces, that, the pages that you create are easy, easy to navigate, um, are really clear on that one subject, really use the H1s and H2s, have the, the right words that talk around the issue, you, you, all your metadata. And so having gr strong SEO uh, compliance with your content and making sure that you atomize all those pieces so that they are, are, are in terms of subject matter, in the same areas, helps make it more findable. And it's great to for you to have like a, um, a search thing in your ear website, but Google is an awesome search tool to find that. And you, when people are looking for, for answers about your product, you want to be in those results. And so ha going back, and because it's not something that I think, it, you know, it's something that gets overlooked because it's not considered necessary. You know, we're going to make sure that all the uh, marketing stuff has got good SEO and we'll worry about the other stuff later. No, I, it, this really should be something that should be fully in the house of whatever, who's doing the SEO and good practices. And that should just be uh, start doing it forward. You don't need to change, make a bunch of changes. You just need to start doing things going forward with a clear SEO strategy. That's so true. Um, and there's so many, I think that's actually a really good topic potentially for next week, but there's like so many, or two weeks from now, um, there's so many good things that can come from being able to actually find the answers to questions. And it's not just from a marketing side. Um, you know, so like one of the things that we do, and I get to say it again, groups, um, is like we try to group our content together around 
solutions to things or answers to stuff. And we do it based on like roles, based on feature type, based on like topic, like what kind of thing are you trying to do? And then there's solution pages, right? So it may have, and it's got different ways that people like to see things. So for example, there are like some blog posts there. There's some slide shares there. There's some videos there. There's an overall explanation of what we do there. And like those things are together, but it, it gives people an option of like, how would you like to consume content to answer this question, right? And that's kind of their own place to go. And that's support material, but it leverages marketing content to answer mm. the question. And it's SEO'd. So the, um, the confusing part, I think, for a lot of folks is they feel like support stuff is support stuff and somebody else wrote that or support stuff was like technical and like it couldn't be snazzy looking or whatever. Um, and so it kind of gets relegated to like this, you know, place where everything just looks like, you know, a word doc from the nineties and it's really hideous. And I'll tell you who's really terrible about this, essentially everybody in the financial sector. Mm -hmm. Um, and I only know because I was recently trying to look for something on two different banks, support webs, support areas. And I can just tell you that like all the support content was not only hideous and dry, but almost unfindable. Like I Googled 20 different things trying to find stuff on their site. And they're like, yeah. oh yeah, we don't really update those things necessarily frequently, but you can always call and ask. And I was like, right. I, I definitely don't want to do that. Like I just want to be able to look it up. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, one of the things, you know, just, yeah, you need to, when you provide this content, it's got to be helpful and accessible. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you're starting kind of the onboarding process, you should stop and think about, you know, what, what elements or what uh, uh, characteristics do my most profitable, most uh, important um, customers have and kind of start there. How do you make those customers successful? And by definition, everybody should, should end up being successful from them, but start with your, 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 uh, your cash cows. Those are the highest margin, highest uh, growth potential uh, customers. And, you know, and the other thing is like you need to make sure the process is not um, ha you know, ad hoc, that, that, that the process is set in stone, that when this thing happens, this person starts the process of getting this onboard content you've created. And, and that needs to be kind of a regular thing. You can actually even go further, I think. And, and like there are, a lot of, um, there are a lot of places that provide certifications for learning their product. And so if there's a big kind of piece of training you want somebody to be super successful on, you know, making it a, you know, XYZ uh, certification, it's kind of a nice little thing. They're now certified XYZ folks from your company about using your product. And people like that stuff. And that, that's all, all that costs you is creating the content, which is a big deal, but you already need to have that. And all it costs you is like maybe make a little, uh, a little uh, thing you can send them in the mail, like a little certificate that they can hang up in their office. And that, this, these, kind of, these are really fairly easy things to do and, and actually get that kind of stuff out there. And it's good branding for you that people want to say that they're certified on your product. And it's good for them because people like to have stuff to put on their resumes. I mean, they really do. Um, yeah. You know, like, so it's really good opportunity kind of for both ends to, to benefit from something like that. And then I, I feel like I really liked something when we had our account-based marketing conversation and we were talking about like, there's just not, there should not be a handoff, right? Like it should never feel like you're being passed from marketing to sales to account management, seamless. right? You, you want it to be seamless. I think that that is truly where people are missing the mark with this whole like marketing, customer success, account management, support, sales, everything, right? Is that we assume that our job stops at a certain point. And like the end of the day, 
it doesn't ever stop because the idea is the customer is still the customer or the lead is going to become a customer or like a, you've already been introduced to this person or to this organization and it's everyone's responsibility to bring them on board, make them successful, make them happy, make them an evangelist, make them grow, make them continue using the product or service or whatever it is that never, that's never stops. Like that's not a job that you just hand off to somebody else. It's always your job. Even if, because even as marketing, even if you want to go back to like really traditional marketing rules, it doesn't stop because it's your job as a marketer to stay in touch with the customer, to tell them what new things you have, like what new features you're working on, what new services you offer. Um, it's your job to keep them informed and to try to upsell them. It's not somebody else's job. And, and one of the things that people need to think about too, and marketing um, can help with this, is like the content that you choose to use. Uh, for this kind of drip onboarding process and these tools that you're going to give your customers is you need to think about, um, you know, when people buy a drill, they aren't buying the drill. They're, they need to drill a hole, right? And so instead of, you know, the content that you, you provide, not only, you know, we talked about how you can see which ones are being successful, but the title, the information, that headline has to say what it's about. Like You can say this is about how to, how to uh, X, Y, Z with a such, such and such function. That's not as helpful as saying, we're going to show you how to like create uh, faster uh, customer support times by doing this with our product or whatever. You need to say what the benefit is. W what is it they're going to get? You know, they want to buy the hole, not the drill. So if you want to really connect um, with the customers, make sure that you say this content is about learning this thing, and here's what you'll get. You give us, you know, three minutes of your time or two minutes of your time or whatever that is, and you're going to learn this thing, and it's got to have that kind of value. And marketing can can really hold. To fire. Customer service folks tend to be are awesome. They can sometimes though get a little caught up in the technical stuff because that's what they do. And so marketing can come in here and say, you know what, this is good. What can they do if they learn this? What's going to help help them? Let's change the name of this or change this kind of stuff or let's change the way it's formatted because you know this is hard to read. So there are a lot of a lot of things that marketing can do to really help the customer life uh, life cycle and, and improve that and create more revenue and more referrals. I mean, definitely. So I know that we are over time today. Um, you know, last thoughts. I will say, like, for customer, when you're talking as a marketer or a salesperson, whatever, to customer support and success, you have to, too, remember, like, they're not hearing from people when somebody's having a great time or a yeah. great day. They're always hearing the problems. So there's yeah. there's benefits and bad sides to that, right? The benefit is they know what common problems are and why, like where people are being tripped up regularly, where people are unhappy regularly. Like they know trends. They could actually probably, if you sat down and talked to them, if there's not a tracking system already in place for them to notify and spot trends, they could probably just tell you because they hear that yeah. stuff daily. Um, but they're never hearing from somebody when somebody's right. having an amazing day. So you have to also approach them with the understanding that they're on the front lines, right? Like they're taking it pretty regularly from people who are in a hurry and frustrated already. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and if, and if there's pushback from like, if for some reason, if there's internal politics or pushback, like why would marketing, you know, marketing should get involved in this. Well, you know, the reality is a bad onboarding process or an unhappy customer or, or a product becomes shelfware because it's just, they can't figure it out. You know, this is this is directly this is a real issue. This is a brand issue. And so, if you do some uh, some surveys, you find out that people are in, there's some group number of people who are unhappy with the product. This is going to hurt your brand. There's a real that's a compelling reason for marketing to be proactive in helping these other units, these other organizations in their in their company become more aware of the kinds of communication tools that are available and how you can help.
because it costs more money to replace a customer than it does to keep one. A lot more. And on that note, we will conclude this week's episode, and we will see you guys back in a couple weeks. And uh, until then, thanks for joining, Steve.